Good, thanks. We're going to start with a video. I'm going to show you the video of 2011 PPH missions. Enjoy it. There is a candle in every soul, some brightly burning, some dark and cold. There is a spirit who brings a fire, ignites a candle, and makes his own. So
Well, this, well, this gives you an idea of PPH missions 2011. 701 conversions, 299 baptisms. Not bad, huh? For a church of our size. Thanks a lot. Today I want to read to you a scripture. Take out with me to Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5, verses 1 to 11. The calling of the, particularly Peter and the disciples. One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, with the people crowding around him and listening to the word of God, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing the nets. He got into one of them, uh, one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into, the, into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we have worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. When he had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knee and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the son of Zebedee's, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. So they pulled their boats on the shore, left everything, and followed him. Most people think that this passage is a passage that the Lord Jesus called the disciples the first time. But actually, it's the second time. The first time is found in Mark chapter 1, verse 16, when Jesus calls Simon, Andrew, James, and John. And from the record in Mark 1, we can see that the first call was before Jesus entered the synagogue in Capernaum and healed a man who was demon-possessed. Between the first call and the second call in Luke chapter 5, something happened. They quit and they went back to fishing. And so Jesus was walking by and there was a crowd hearing him. And he chose to go into one of the boats that belonged to Simon and pushed out a little. He then sat there and taught the people. And when he, was, when he finished, he turned to Simon and he asked him to do something quite unusual, which is push out to the deep water. Let me give you a little bit of uh, information about the lake of Gennesaret. Sometimes you find in scripture, it's also called the Sea of Galilee. It's actually not the sea, it's actually the Lake of Galilee. The size of it, the longest point on the Lake of, or the Sea of Galilee, or the Lake of Galilee, is about 21 kilometers long. The east-west of Singapore, it's about 50, 55 kilometers long. And the width of it is about 13 kilometers at the 
widest point. Huh? Singapore north-south is about slightly less than 30. Circumference of the lake, 53 kilometers. If you want to walk around it, it will take you a long time for sure. But uh, it's quite a sizable lake. Probably about half, slightly less than half the size of uh, Singapore. Um, the deepest point in the lake of Galilee, 200 which is about 20 stories. Pretty sizable, but not deep compared to other seas, huh? as it is. So, the fisherman at that time is, is very peculiar. If you read the passage carefully in verse 5, fishermen will fish in the lake of Galilee at night. Daytime is not a good time to fish. And they will fish at night at shallower waters where they will lay the nets and then they will pull out. So Jesus finished teaching. He looked at Simon and asked Simon to do something which is very unusual. He says, push your boat to the deep waters, which means it's probably the deepest part. On a day, the fish will go down and not surface. And then he asked him to do something which is very funny. Lay down let out your nets for a catch. So what happened then? Uh, if you're a fisherman like Simon Peter, you look at it and say, well, this is a little bit uh, not so exciting. <laughs> but he said, but because you say so, I will. So on Jesus' request, Peter put out his nets and caught such a large amount of fish Probably in his experience, is very unusual, even for a fisherman. It's so much that the nets begin to break. And they had no choice. They realized it was a catch of their life, a catch that they couldn't pull out. And they signaled to the other boat to come. And so the boat came, and they loaded up into the both boats. And when they load up full, the boat began to sink, and it was so heavy, a catch of their life. It is a miracle. What happened to Peter then? Peter looked at the Lord Jesus. Immediately he kneeled down, bowed down and says, Lord, depart from me. I am sinful. We really don't know what caused Peter to leave the Lord Jesus after the first call in Mark chapter 1. But I think the Lord did not give them up. The Lord walked along. I don't think it was just incidental. The Lord knew that Peter and his friends were there washing their nets after a day, after a night of catch. And so he has to he has something for them. So he looked at the boat of the two boats, he chose the one that belonged to Simon. He got in and says, Please push me out a little bit. So Simon has to stop mending his nets. Huh? So while he was teaching the crowd, guess what? Simon had no choice but to listen. Sometimes it's uh, a little bit forced in that sense. Don't know what he was teaching, but the Lord turned to him and he says, go to the deep waters. Three points I share with you today. Point number one, mission is God's call to individuals. Not to anyone, but to each individual God calls you. And it is an individual response 
to that call that God made to each one of us. You cannot answer by sending someone else in replacement. You cannot answer by saying, God, I pay for one. That's not the question God asks. God asks you, and you must respond. Jesus was concerned about individuals. He preached to great crowds. And even as he was preaching, you could see really he walked and he has a message for Peter. We don't know today what caused Peter to return, but the incident, I believe, has to, is speaking to Peter deeply. It's got to do with his vocation. It's got to do with what he's doing. But whatever it is, the call or mission must deal in Peter's life something deep. And the first thing is Peter's sin. First call, second call. Guess how many calls that Jesus gave to Peter? Most of us think that there's only one call. Huh? But actually there's three calls. Mark chapter 1 is the first call. Luke chapter 5 is the second call. There is one more call. John 21, where Peter denied Jesus and Jesus came to him and he says, take care of my lambs, take care of my sheep, feed them. And then at the end of verse 19, John 21, he says the word again, follow me. So the Lord Jesus gave three calls. And at each different call, I believe the Lord dealt deeply in the life of Peter, something in him. Same with us. The Lord understands. But whatever it was, this is the encounter at Luke chapter 5. That God has chosen Peter and he is there to speak. I do not know what your issues are today. What you came in today in church, what were your background is, what happened to you. But I know that God knows. And God understands. And God gently deals with them. And today. Point number two, let me share with you. Mission is a call to faith. Faith in the Lord Jesus. Faith in what He has installed for you. And whatever He has installed for you, wherever He sent you, whether in a marketplace or in the mission field, you must believe and you can believe that it is the best for you. No other place is better than where the Lord Jesus placed you. And so Jesus talked to Peter again and says, launch out to the deep waters and lay your nets. It does not make sense because they will fish by night on shallow waters. On a day on deep water, Conventional wisdom has it that it is not a good idea. And conventional wisdom counts in probability. It can happen that you can catch a big, big catch of fish, but probability will tell you very likely you push your boat out, you will not. But Peter responded otherwise, because you say so, I will. But it doesn't mean that after this incident, uh, Peter can go out every day on, on, a, on a daytime, you know, and in the deep water and let down the nets, he will catch that kind of fish. <laughs> it doesn't mean so, huh? Right? 
But because the Lord says so, this is the key. Because the Lord says so, and we obey, then we will see. Very important. You think the Lord Jesus knew it was going to be a big catch? Obviously. Huh? Did he tell Peter that? He tell Peter, trust me, go out to the deep waters, lay down your nets, you will see a big catch. A catch of your life. A catch that you will never ever dream about. But he did not. He says, push out. Launch out your boat to the deep waters. And cast your net for a catch. How times, sometimes we wish that God would tell us the second partner. God, if I let down my nets, will it be a catch? <laughs> if it is a catch, then I let down my net. Sometimes I wish so too. Huh? Despite this, Peter's reply was very interesting. He says, Master, we have worked hard all night and have, caught, have not caught anything. Not even a single fish. Huh? Can you imagine? The night. So sometimes I wonder whether the Lord teases the sea so that the Peter would never get any fish that night. And he knew he's going to go there. Huh? But because you say so, I will let down my nets. The call to mission is a call to trust God. In where He leads you, He has the best for you. You cannot tell all, but enough, He will tell you enough one step for you to take that one step so that the one step that you take will allow you to see what He has installed for you so that you will now take the second step. And the second step will then lead you to the third step. 1997, while preparing for Philippines, went there for seven years. January 1998, we left there. At that time, uh, I had two kids. Most of you will know. Ruth at that time was seven years old and my son was six years old. One of the questions that many people will ask any father and mother packing their bags will be always their children. There are other questions, but one of those questions was, what's going to happen to your children? Uh, I know I, I can see some fathers here and uh, some of you fathers are in the first service, I know. And fathers, mothers, Always worried, huh? Wondering what will happen with their children. Me also, and my wife. Ruth was seven, Joseph was six. We left. And at the airport, I remember, uh, among many things I was sharing this in the first service, I, I, I remember one, one incident very clearly in my mind. I, I remember Grace, Shing's wife, praying for us there. And uh, she had teary eyes. Among many, huh? Not she's not the only one. And then prayed for us, and we were sent off. We arrived in uh, January. We enrolled our kids in a local school, in a Filipino local school. Unlike what conventional thinking again would would tell us, uh, you put your kid in a international school, or you put your kid in a good school. We enrolled our kid in a Filipino school. To the horror of many people, huh? Uh, I must I must say something to you here. I uh, I I hold uh, some peculiar views about education. 
I think education will need to teach you three things. Really. All of you, I know our students are quite a bit of you. Only three things. Huh? Maybe some fathers, mothers will dislike me for saying this. They only teach you to write, to read, and to count. Think about that. The rest are just content. So when I came here, I'm a, I'm a Malaysian. I came here. I always, I constantly share with my wife. It says, uh, doesn't matter where you are school, whether your school in uh, Philippines, your school in Malaysia, your school in Singapore, your school in uh, Timbuktu, you learn to read, you learn to write, you learn to count. It's just a question of how much time you read the content and how much content you have. It's just a question of the amount of time you devote to it. So I told my wife, it's okay. Put them in the local school. A Malaysian came in to study in Singapore, didn't do it so badly either. I'm one of those. Huh? So they finished uh, primary education. I remember the first month they were there. I, I remember vividly because every time they come back from school, from their exam, this is the first time in my life I ever see a zero. I mean, my kid really didn't know what happened. Huh? I mean, you're you are in a class, it's Filipino, and uh, I mean, you try, la. I mean, you score, all zero, la. whatever test you do, you really don't know what you, what you should write there. So it's not very encouraging for a father and mother every time, I mean, to see your kid come back with zero for the first month. So I kind of tell my two kids something very funny. It says, uh, I tell you what, you know, daddy is going to reward you for doing well. So the, my, t- my two kids look at me and says, what is the reward? Very simple. We have only one target. Break the zero. We celebrate. So it was uh, quite exciting. Most parents would think I'm crazy. Huh? 2004, November, after nearly seven years, we returned back. My daughter was asked to chair in the school as a Filipino speaker to chair the entire school event in, in Filipino. Sometimes I sat down there and I looked at it. I say, it's really funny if you wind back seven years and you see her coming to back and a Ruth and Joe and coming back, Ruth and coming back and you're crying. But sometimes it's very hard to laugh when you're there. <laughs> Only after seven years, huh, when you're there at that point when you see them do that, you look, it's really quite funny. Then when you come back, to Singapore, you enroll to the Singapore system and it's no longer Filipino and Tagalog. It's what? It's English and Mandarin. So they came in and went to Fairfield Secondary School. Sec 1, Sec 2. Sec 2 was Ruth. Sec 1 was Joseph. It's a tussle. It's very hard to fight with Mandarin. You know, My daughter was say, Dad, why can't they have no Mandarin? Ah? and just have Filipino. I'll sign up. i go anywhere in Singapore to do that. I say the Singapore system doesn't have it. I'm sorry. Uh, so she has no choice. Sign up for Syllabus B. And she passed. You know. And then came uh, Joseph Term. Time to do her O-levels in, uh, then in Mandarin. You know, all of you, I think, have been through that cycle. And I still remember he, I had a discussion with him. I said, son, uh, what, do, what are you going to do for Chinese? And my son says, well, I'm going to go for the normal express stream Chinese. I still remember, I looked at him and I said, son, there are many things in life 
you don't have to be a hero. Just be ordinary. Sit down. Handle your syllabus B. Finish it. And you're done. And my son says, no, I'm going to go for the normal Mandarin. Both of them did quite well in their O's. Then my daughter chose to go poly. My son, ACJC, for his A's. Son finished his A's, 2010. Got his result, gained a place in NUS Engineering. My daughter finished poly. In the last term, had internship. She did business studies. And she came to me and says, Dad, can you help me? I'm in a human resource line. So I call some people, arrange for the six months, and uh, expose her and let her see human resource in other companies. At the end of it, I thought she will come in and she will follow the footsteps of the dad, huh? do a human resource. It's a good job. And then after six months, she came to me and says, Dad, I came to one conclusion about business studies, major HR. Then I says, what? Not good being a human resource. <laughs> and then I look at it and says, why? I, say, I don't think I'll survive there the rest of my life there. I don't think I will enjoy it. I can do it, but I don't think I will enjoy it. So basically my daughter says, Dad, I'm quitting this line huh? after three years of studies. So I look at her, what do you want to do? She says, I want to do speech therapy. I look at her and say, can you say that again? <laughs> speech, therapy. speech therapy. You know, teach people how to speak in the hospital, children, stroke. So in the, I was muttering under my breath, it looks like the father lost and the mother won. My wife's a doctor. And I, I clearly I clearly know in, in Singapore there is no speech therapy for a degree course anywhere. She looked at me and says, Dad, um, speech therapy means overseas studies. And I said, yes, I know. Uh, she looked at me and says, do you have money? Now these children are very direct. <laughs> I mean, can you fund it like that? No? Uh, and I... I looked at it, I punched much my calculator, obviously not cheap. Lah. You know, uh, then I told my daughter, I says, uh, study is your problem, money is mine. Yeah. So my daughter applied in a, in a journey, applied for scholarships. And to cut the long story short, this year, February 2012, she left for La Trope, Melbourne. Full scholarship. But that doesn't need to come up with a cent. Can I look back at 1997 packing my bag? You wish God would tell you all this, right? <laughs> then you say, wow, the step of faith huh, can take. Lah. As you sometimes buy durian and say, pao jia. You're going to pay that and say, pao jia one. Huh? But then that would have taken the fun of walking the journey. Today, I can't even imagine that. Before I share this story, I wrote to my daughter. I says, Dear Ruth and Joseph, can I talk about both of you in this message? I don't want to embarrass both of you. I just need your permission. If you cannot, if you don't want, I won't. 
Some of you may be struggling. I don't know what, what it is. Let the Lord speak to you. You have many ifs. When. What. How. But whatever it is, like Peter, you and I face them. And then the Lord brings you to a junction and He asks you, go out to the deep water, cast out your net for a catch. He doesn't tell you after that what's going to happen. You need to take that step of faith. Leads me to the third point and the final point. Mission is always and will be launching out to the deep waters. Mission is always bringing us to the edge, to discomfort. It brings us to where we, even more critical in our lives, we really need to look up to Him and walk by faith and not by sight. If you look at Luke chapter 5, the, the movement of how the Lord deal with Peter and himself and the church is very interesting. Jesus was walking by the lake. Next minute, he gets into a boat. He moves out a little bit from the shore. And the next thing was what? He goes out to the deep water. Right? Where was Peter? Peter was at the shore repairing the nets. Then Jesus jumped into his boat. He now rowed it a bit away from the shore. And then he took the challenge and moved out to the deep. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Jesus said to the same disciples, You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Look at the movement again of how the Lord deal with us. At the shore, out a little, into the deep. Mission is not what we can do, but what God can do through us. I still remember in 1997, a friend of mine asked me, singing, what difference can you do for the poor in the Philippines and elsewhere? 1997. Today is 2011. I decided to let you have a glimpse of what the Lord is doing and what the Lord has done, not just me, but us together. With the partners together. More than 1,150 children who could not go to school Today is going to school. About 150 children in kindergarten. About nearly 300 children aided, taught in the tuition centers. Not put up there, but 1,600 children, malnourished, fed every day, Monday to Friday, given a meal today. Treated nearly 15,000 patients and so on and so forth. Most of all, the, what warms my heart when I sit down at year end, I just write to all the 
people that we support, we work with, tell me the number of conversions you have, tallied with names and the date. 701. Warms my heart. Many times I say, wow, enough to cheer me. Pictures of Chiming, Batam, pictures of pastor in the Telugu service, baptizing, 299. Can feel this hall again. Let me show you the map. First slide. First slide. You see the red color, you see the blue color. The red color is where we have our own missionaries. The blue color is where the partners we have, pioneers, the WAC, Care Channels, IBC, CDC, several organizations that we work with. This is the scope of where we are today, looking at it. Next slide. For a small church like us, we partner with a big group like NUHS. I was in a meeting in 10th of March. There was Xing, who is a wise dean in the School of Medicine, NUS, one of our elders. We have a professor. We have two consultants. We have two doctors. One of them is Raj and one nurse sitting down, talking how to equip the medical personnel in East Timor. I mean, obviously, the language is very medical. I'm a bit blur blur a bit. Huh? So I took my wife along, don't know a bit on a side, ask question what it is, uh, some equipment, all kinds of things. Uh, you know, but it's, I just sit down there, I'm just awed. Huh? You have a professor, a wise dean, two consultants, two doctors, one nurses, all sharing, thinking and planning for the whole year, what to do in Timor? Warms my heart. Warms my heart. The devotion, the commitment of our elder Shing and Raj really cheers my heart too when I see them talk, do about missions. Let me show you the next slide. This picture is, you know, a lot of the pictures here are taken with the compliments of uh, Pastor Kokfai. Uh, I mean, there's one of the things I realize a pastor is very good for. He's a really a good eye for photos. I mean, it's really nice. I look at it as I'm also odd. <laughs> Especially the one on the bottom right. <laughs> okay, next one. This is the picture of Timo. On the left, uh, Julina Beatrice. These girls are going to finish their theological studies in Jogja. Come June, they will do their intern, hopefully in Batam. And then I hope to bring them, and we will see the two Timorese that we have invested time, life, and these ladies will return back to Watunao. Serve. The guy, Cornelius, is finishing his first year. He got one more to go. On the bottom right, you find Julison Nathan Novi. These are these are graduates of IBC today. There are two batch of graduation. 
three has gone to Timor recently, just about a month ago. One has gone to Malaysia to serve with another group of people. And then the rest are in Indonesia itself. Um, just let me ask you a teaser question. Do you know how many nationalities we have in our full-time workers board? I mean, full-time workers staff. Anyone can guess? Church here, our staff. We have eight nationalities. Surprise, huh? We have, a, obviously, Singaporean. <laughs> Malaysian. We have a Papua New Guinea. Seconded to us. We have an American, Rebecca Wu. We have Yuda, an Indonesian. Right? And then we have, uh, what else? Uh? Yeah, the Filipinos. Huh? Madeline, Filipino. And then we have, if Yop comes in, it will be nine, Bangladesh. Quite a few. Interesting. The flavor that we bring to the staff here itself. Next slide. I didn't show this in the first service, I forgot. Let me show you this. This is the land we have got, 0 0.55 hectares. About 30 minutes, 40 minutes to from Batunao where we are. It's my dream to set up a goat farm, a pig farm, and a chicken farm. Right inside there. It would be the one of its first kind in Timor. It can be done. I've been doing that in the Philippines. I moved some of it to Indonesia and I'm going to choke some people from Indonesia and move them into Timor to do that. Batam, I just found from Pastor is 139 people saying yes out of 142, 98.5%. Asking us, allowing us to venture into that building the Bible school. Thank you for that. In the midst of all this preparation, uh, Second Service may not know, we have one lecturer two years ago. We have identified we have brought her to Singapore and she was given full scholarship to study in SPC. She's going to graduate and 13th of May will be her graduation and then she will return after a break to IBC. Some of you will hear her share. Her name is Naomi and uh, she's coming to that. So there are pieces of all this decision that we make behind some very interesting things. The human resource part of that is part of the chess moves that are happening. And I want to thank you for your, for your confirmation, for your support, for your agreement to stand with pastor and the leadership. Pray with us huh, as we move forward. Uh, this, this is something very critical to source for the land and then to build the Bible school itself. May we be like Peter who will respond to our Lord Jesus. Because, But because you, O Lord, say so, I will. What is all our response today? Can we be like Peter? But because 
you say so. Oh Lord, I will. I will. Not I wait, huh? not I can, but I will. Let's spend some quiet moments. I ask the musician to come up and uh, let's prepare our hearts. As the Lord uh, speak to you, we'll sing the closing song together. Let us pray. The Lord may be speaking to some of you. If there is any one of you the Lord has touched in your heart and you want to pray, you want to come forward as we sing the closing song, uh, please come and Pastor Chi Ming and the rest of the leaders are here to pray with you together. Let us rise and we close.
Lord bless you and the Lord keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn His face towards you and give you all peace. The Lord bless you. In Jesus' name. Amen.